Okay, welcome to episode two of the About Loch Lomond podcast. I'm John Luca. I'm Matthew. And um, yeah, we're two guys from uh, grew up in the area who know a thing or two um, from uh, uh, adventures uh, and, and other things. And uh, we're going to talk to you in this series all about Loch Lomond, the surrounding area, uh, a very famous place, of course, and full of very interesting stories. In this episode, we are going to talk to you about early human history. We're going to ask the question, how did we all get here? What kind of things can you expect from this episode, Matt? Uh, so we will talk about the Neolithic period, um, moving on to Iron Age and then move on to Romans. Um, so yeah, the early human history of the surrounding area. Yep, and we'll you can expect stories relating to personal injuries we've sustained um, recently while doing this podcast, which are very serious and should be treated as so. Um, we'll give our critique on um, people and topics such as migration and um, Julius Caesar. Um, and um, we will probably, you know, accidentally offend some people and um, yeah, other things like that. Um, which brings actually us on to uh, one of our um, uh, concurrent, uh, sort of consistent sections of the podcast, which is corrections and apologies. Um, Matt, who would you like to, to apologise to anyone? Well, I don't think we've got any obvious corrections this week, so it is going to have to just be apologies only. Um, yeah, I think um, Julius Caesar's going to get it. It was maybe slightly harsh in my judgement of him, and I'm going to have to apologise to your mum as well for having to come and pick us up after this sustained injury. Okay, um, I'll get her feedback on that. Um, okay, so I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, as usual, pay attention for any kind of fun quips and stories and some uh, wonderful music crafted by Matt himself. Okay, enjoy. the other day. Mine's is expiring soon and uh, compared my last passport photo to the one I got taken the other day, I look like a fucking bloated alky. What <laughs> one? The first one. Uh, sorry, the second one, not the first one. Did not look like a bloated alky at the age of 60. Yeah. <laughs> the same can't be said for everybody in, in Scotland at that age. Uh, yeah, I've still got... I look like... Uh, a small boy, a very small boy in my passport before, right now. I, I look like a small boy and I prefer that to be fair. <laughs> Aye, so cool. Uh, last time round we talked about um, a bit about the geography of the, the area. Um, we tried our best to describe geology in a fun and accurate way. Don't know how far we got. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we at least kind of covered the bases and didn't sound like a total moron. Yeah. But um, yeah, do you think well, we'll do you think we'll talk about metamorphic rock again this I season? Don't think so. I, I don't know if it's necessarily required now. Like we've covered it. We've covered it. We've done it. Like you know. One, a few lines about metamorphic rocks enough, you know, for all you geologists out there, I'm sure you can agree. Um, so, we're going to talk now about early human history in the area. And, well, I guess, you know, we're talking about the first humans in the area, right? For context, um, the first sort of um, early human period in Britain in general was the sort of Mesolithic period. 
right? So that's between 15,000 BC and 5,000 BC in Europe. Um, there's the kind of earliest Scottish remains that have been found. They're from around 5,000 BC, right? So we're talking 7,000 years ago. Um, and I think, you know, we were, we were talking earlier on, Matt, about um, Doggerland. Yes. Would you like to is expand it, what is Doggerland? Um, is it what people think it is? It is probably not going to be what uh, people would now think it is. Right. So, kind of like a land... It's not a car park in the sky no, where people have fun and weekend, jolliness with each other. something, you know. Duck Bay, uh, <laughs> a Doggerland. <laughs> right, uh, there you go, guys. There's a nice yeah. trip for you, a travelling trip for your tourist. Um, so, I swear the... Um, I mean, this is just kind of like... I've made this up in my own head, but the... One of the car parks in Balak where all the campers, like camper vans stay overnight. I like to think there's like a, a camper dogger forum and they all, you know, select to go to this certain car park. You thought about this a lot. I, I can't, I can't uh, confirm that that's actually true. Okay, right. That's the dogger part of the, <laughs> the show yeah. over. Right. Uh, <laughs> we're actually talking about early human history. And the reason I mentioned Doggerland is because, interestingly enough, there used to be a land bridge connecting what is now the British Isles with um, uh, kind of Holland, I guess, yeah, Netherlands, yeah, yeah. Netherlands, shouldn't say Holland, the Netherlands, um, the Northern Europe. So possible that people, well, we think people made their way initially if via that route. But yeah, so we're looking at the Mesolithic period, right, uh, kind of ending around 5000 BC. And that's when the earliest Scottish remains were, were found in Fife. Um, and, sorry, when they were dated from. And it's believed actually that humans didn't inhabit Loch Lomond in the surrounding area for around a thousand or so years later, so we're talking around 4000 BC. Um, around that time, that's when the Neolithic era began. So that's a shift from sort of a culture defined by the development of tool-wielding humans, kind of hunter-gatherers in the Mesolithic period, um, to sort of uh, tool-wielding uh, village settlers, um, more so in the, in the Neolithic period. And... Um, you know, that sort of um, development that took place in that time and, and tools and agricultural practices, that would have, I think, um, led to sort of the, the, the environment being impact, impacted by humans quite in a big in a big way, perhaps for the first time, you know. And, and this is the same for any sort of uh, environment sort of settled in by humans for the first time. I mean, this, this area would have been one of many areas just covered in trees, right? Like... Obviously, we think of like the countryside and sort of that environment, and we think sometimes of rolling green fields, right? But that was, and um, that is not natural as such. And, and you know, this area, like many others, would have just been like absolutely closeted in trees. But that kind of Neolithic period, um, as we talk about, that that would have, you know, that's when the kind of slash and burn techniques um, of agriculture and you know, crop farming. Um, and animal pasturing began, so yeah, that's when the trees have started to disappear at that point. We start to maybe, some of the open spaces that we became familiar with might have uh, originated around, uh, around the lock. Um, and you know, in terms of other sort of remains from this period, we're talking stone axes being found in Cardus and Garterharn. Um, from that... Um, burial site as well, which... Has claimed many a victim, yeah. So um, Matt and I uh, will we'll shared some pictures uh, if we haven't already. But um, you know, uh, there's a, a, quite a interesting uh, Neolithic burial site, um, which is contains uh, the remains of a kist, which um, 
basically they were used to sort of. It was like a like a kind of not maybe not mass grave, but kind of like a you know like a a community burial site. Yeah, bodies I think were built sort of buried in columns, weren't they? In these sort of kists. So there's one. The remains of one uh, kind of uh, near Carman Hill, uh, yes, near uh, between kind of up the back of Cardus. So if you're going over the Carman Hill, it's um, on the road, kind of one of the fields to the left-hand side, about halfway over uh, as you're kind of going through a wooded part of the road. Yeah, um, and we'll talk about another site uh, nearby there later, but from from later on. Uh, a later period but yeah so there's a burial site around there and you know um, we did actually record before this um, and uh, we kind of uh, one of us there was almost a fatality in one of the first recording sessions we had which is not something but you know like they say Matt podcasting is a dangerous game uh, yes I've heard that quote many times yeah. <laughs> famously you know kind of like war reporting I guess <laughs> you know when you're talking about visiting these sites and uh, you know Matt almost lost his hand and, uh, you know, an acrobatic lunge over a barbed wire fence. Would you like to break it down? Not my most intelligent move. I mean, it was a, a real struggle to actually get there. There wasn't any, no real, di- like, try to look online to see if there was maybe some kind of directions to get there, but we ended up having to find it on a map. And then Johnny um, got the coordinates into Google Maps and kind of worked out from there. But um, it's got a lot of effort to get there, hopping through fields. Not much reward for you. No, no, no. Reward was a, a trip to hostel on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So let's put this into more, even more colourful context. So basically, uh, Matt sliced his hand open in the trip back from this uh, impressive uh, burial site, and um, uh, to control the the blood flow, I guess you were holding your hand up as if you wanted to ask a question in class. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I did. Um, you fortunately had some plasters and a bit of tape, so wrapped uh, some tape round my hand to stop it bleeding, which. Um, was uh, very beneficial because I don't really like blood, especially when it's coming out of me. Um, so yes, I just to kind of, I got very sore shoulders. I well, a very sore shoulder after about ten minutes. Um, so yeah, kind of jumped over the fence. I think I kind of fell back into it and caught my hand on it. There was like a wee graze, and then like a bigger cut next to it. I saw the graze. I turned away, and all I heard was, "Oh fuck!" I, I Johnny was about, or I was about to say, "Oh, Johnny, it's all right. It's a wee graze," and then just saw blood pouring out my hand. Like, oh, God, I can't really deal with this. Listen, this game is not for everyone, OK? Just leave it to the pros. Uh, that's what I would say. Um, you know, we've, we, we can take the, the cuts and gashes. So, yeah, basically, we walked back to uh, where we parked and, um, you know, Matt was just had his hand held up the whole time for passers-by to kind of look at quizzically. Um, yes, um, and then I'd, Well, I'd driven over, so I had to phone John Luke's mum to come and get us, like, a couple of silly little boys. Uh-huh, yeah, so just guys in their late 20s just getting lists from their mum to Amy. Um, on, a Sunday on a Sunday afternoon when they went out for a walk so that's uh, a window in our lives but yeah um, today has been more successful um, and you know one of the sites that we visited actually today in our wee walk and um, we'll cover in a wee bit but yeah so after the Neolithic age next came the Bronze Age so that's was kind of defined by improved metal working practices um, brought by a group of colonists um, to the British Isles there's a um, migration, positive, Matt, some would say, some would not. So, yes, um, uh, yeah, there's some characters we've previously mentioned, I think, that probably slightly, or disagree with that statement, but I'm certainly uh, giving it the thumbs up. Thumbs up for Matt for migration, there we go. Uh, you've heard your first, you can 
uh, cover that in the Daily Mail if you like. Um, so, yeah, um, and around that time, with, with those sort of metalworking practices being developed, um, came offensive weaponry. And um, that also had an effect, perhaps less positive, um, some would say. Um, but yeah, that's where we start to see sort of territorial battles take place, I guess, um, over these areas of land. Um, we also had these, um, a characteristic of the age is a Bronze Age kist, right? Which is one of these stone chambered tombs that we, that we talked about earlier on. Um, and there's one at Old Kirk Farm in Balloch, which I haven't been to. Um, but, you know, one of the, one of the, kind of like one of the kists that, that we've seen it, um, we talked about where the, the hand laceration occurred. Um, if there's any no uh, background noise, by the way, that is now uh, because we are currently handling an umbrella to shield us from the wind. A nice green and white tankery golf umbrella, which is huge, but um, I think the fact that it's huge means that it's getting blown about more than I would like, so I'm um, just kind of trying to firmly hold it without making too much noise. We also don't really know where the wind is coming from, um, so yes, it might not be working, but it's worth a try. Um, so, yeah. Uh, after around 400 BC, um, that's when the, the, the Iron Age began and the Iron Age Celts brought their skills and their aristocratic sort of warrior societies to the region. And then at that point, forts uh, and other sort of uniquely strategic settlements became a feature and we just literally visited a fort today, didn't we? Yes, so it was uh, roughly the same, kind of near where the hand laceration took place again, up on the top of Carman Hill, so you... From that, obviously it's a strategic area as you're seeing. Um, you can look right down the Clyde, kind of to Greenock, Gurick, and then out kind of further Clyde and going down towards the Atlantic Ocean. Although you can't quite see that far, but you know, if at that period of time there was uh, some invaders coming, um, you'd at least have some kind of warning. Yeah, exactly. For those of you that want an umbrella update, we've just shifted the angle of the umbrella. Um, <laughs> so another kind of uh, quite impressive feature of this uh, era, well it really began in this era was um, the Cranach. Um can you describe a Cranach? So it's um, a man essentially a man-made island built up from the, the water um, I think can't confirm but I feel it's probably been like wooden beams kind of holding the actual building up Um so these were used kind of um, for many different purposes. Um, used as forts again, kind of like as a kind of commune, um, and um, yeah. So mainly a kind of wooden water building, which I feel like would now be worth an absolute fortune if you had one of them on Loch Lomond. But uh, yeah, that's definitely getting made into some sort of luxury cabin, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. Some kind of. Airbnb glamping kind of thing. Yeah, love a glamp. Um, so yeah, I mean, usually, um, yeah, and today, you know, the choice of a sort of small islet as a home, you know, it might seem a bit odd, but waterways were the main channels for both communication and travel. Actually, up until, you know, the, ni the 19th century, much of Ireland and especially Highland Scotland. So, you know, they're, they're typically sort of interpreted these simple prehistoric farmsteads but also as bolt holes, which I quite like the, the word, in times of danger, and also status symbols um, with limited access and, you know, as inherited locations of power that implied a sense of legitimacy and ancestry. 
um, towards ownership of this of a surrounding landscape. Um, you know, and also one of the things to mention, I think, is that, you know they were kind of built out of anything. I think as well. You know, I think wooden in terms of the structures at the top, obviously, but you know, settled on any kind of like um, reclaimed you know, rock or, or or mud, you know, or something like that. Just making do with whatever. I don't really think they'd be particularly specific, or like fussy at these or that period of time. This is be- before the time of um, what's that? What's that kind of UNESCO stuff they do with the food? You know, you need to make it a certain way, like, like Parmigiano. Oh right, I kind of like um, I know what you're talking about. It's the same like um, Scotch whisky and things. Like it needs, yeah, as you say, it needs to be made in a, a specific way. For some reason, the wind has now changed direction and the current umbrella setup is no longer quite uh, sufficient. The umbrella is just a really, um, we're fighting against a, a proverbial wave here. It's, um, uh, but here we go, we, we, we go on. And Yamo. Um, so, yeah, actually, one popular sort of historical Quranic site is at um, Kenmore and Loch Tay. Um, now, this was a regenerated 2,500-year-old Cranach, um in nearby Loch Tay, um, and it was a museum including local artefacts, but it was unfortunately destroyed in a fire as we record last year in July 2021, or sorry, in, in 2021. Um, but thankfully it's under regeneration again, so hopefully um, ourselves and, and you can go visit that uh, soon, because that will be quite an incredible monument to, to actually be able to step inside and and see the relics um, inside as well. Um, I would say, though, well, people say, um, to quote um, the Method Man song, that the most controversial relic of the Iron Age uh, is probably, in this area, the old wives' lifts in Craig Maddy Muir. Um, so, you know, basically, these are these kind of rocks. Um, it's like a, kind of three rocks um, forming a, almost like a kind of pyramid shape. Um, very odd looking so like you know it might be the result at least partly of some sort of you know naturally occurring glacial phenomenon just like rocks deposited there you know there we are back to the geology again Uh, we love geology Um, but you know there is still a bit of peculiarity and controversy around it and um, some some, some kind of questions even from schooled um, academics um, of which you know Matt and I are um, Partly, kind of. Uh, um, Very loose use of the term. Yeah, I mean, we've both got degrees from the University of Life, which is obviously important. more important than anything else. Yeah, you know, coming from the school of hard knocks. Um, so, but the, what part of the peculiarity lies in the fact that there are nine human heads carved into the surface of the stones. So, a lot of kind of questions about what these mean, um, and some actually. Um, relate this to perhaps one of the faces of the druidic horned god Cernunnos eh, eh, or Cernunnos I don't know how you pronounce that um, um, or even you know the more sort of related to sinister cult of the severed head now I've found out some stuff about this um, uh, there's there's a great video on YouTube. Um, Ed explores Scotland. Uh, this guy's quite quite interesting. He has some really good videos of, of stuff like this, and he talks about this in the video. So I recommend that. Um, but basically, you know, this relates to a find in Yorkshire, for example, um, of a deer skull um, antlered mask. So somebody had basically made a mask out of a deer skull, right, and punched sort of holes in it for eyes. You can imagine this would be pretty creepy if somebody turned yeah, up in a party with that. I don't think I'm really. I'm digging that. That's, is that not doing that for you? That is not doing it for me. Okay, fair enough. Um, so yeah, th- this was a sort of cult or druidic sort of uh, ritualistic um, 
religion, really, I guess. Um, and, um, you know, that, that people think that these stones actually relate to that as well. So definitely, you know, a really interesting bygone era of culture, um, Celtic culture in the area. Um, and, you know, and uh, this, uh, one of these, uh, of this area, uh, kind of Iron Age relics, is one of the sites we just visited in Kerman Hill as well, obviously, as we said, that, that you can that you can get to quite easily via Alexandria, the Renton. Yeah, there's um, multiple ways, Alexandria, Renton. If you want to take the long way, you could probably also go from Cardus as well, but it's basically the top of the hill. It's like, you, you can't miss it. Yeah, um, but the old wise list, that's something I'm excited to see soon, hopefully. Um, so... After the Iron Age came the Romans. Um, so the popular Roman invasion of Britain began in 55 BC with Caesar. Um, opinions on Caesar? No. It's all right. There you go. Not, but, not the best, not the worst. A bit like all of us, really. Yeah, what in common with Julius Caesar. Um, so occupation and eventual imperial establishment of the Romans lasted in Britain from 48, uh, 43 AD sorry, to 410 AD. Um, and that, when, you know, at that point, at the end, military focus was shifted from Britain largely to tackle sort of problems closer to the border, um, you know, namely Germanic tribes, those troublesome guys and girls. They were certainly at it, weren't they? Really were. Um, bit of a nuisance, by all accounts. Um, you know, while the Romans slapped about the English, they did have a slightly rougher time of it in Scotland, didn't they, Matt? Uh, yeah, so the... They didn't get very far, did they? Um, so they shat it. Uh, uh, yes, to use the the technical term, they did. They shat it. Um, yeah, so I think they basically they kind of got to roughly where we are just now. Going um, so the Antonine Wall built from basically the fourth across straight across the country to the um, the Clyde. So you're still leaving, you know three quarters of Scotland untouched by the Romans yeah and fun fact um, I remember from doing history um, at uni for a wee bit uh, um, a lot of scholars from that era of Roman looking at European scholars they believed that um, actually Britain was sort of cut in half by a gigantic one gigantic river which was um, you know we now kind of recognise as the sort of landscape around the fourth Clyde line which is where the Antonine Wall we'll talk about in a second was built Um so yeah, they, that's kind of as far north as they got, really. And that, you know, in this area, we're we're talking, um, you know, and, and where are we talking in this area of that that kind of line map? Um, so from Clyde Bank, there's there's you know that's mentioned uh, quite a bit when we talk about the Antonine Wall, mm-hmm. but towards, I guess, further towards Dumbarton and yeah. So I think the ends uh, well, there's still there's not really that many remains left of the Antonine Wall. One of the reasons that it's not as popular as Hadrian's Wall. But um, yeah, I think closest to here is probably somewhere like uh, Patrick, um that kind of yeah. that area. Um, but yeah, you know, it, so I guess these fighting tribes of Caledonia, as they were as they were sometimes called, were causing them a lot of problems. Perhaps the, the terrain was also more difficult, and they were also just absolute hard nuts. Yeah, I think um, possibly weather. You know, you're coming from um, nice sunny, nice Roman weather. To come to fucking Scotland where it rains. All the time. It, it rains a lot. Um, you know, a strong period for the Romans in Scotland, though, did lead to them to begin building this Antonine Wall along the Clyde Fourth line. Um, 
they did build actually some further fortresses north and west, um, including a recently discovered site at Drum Castle near Drummond, uh, which was found by an aerial photographer in 1977. Um, this particular site uh, was home to a barracks capable of hosting up to 500 fighting men and was linked by road uh, to another fort northeast at Maling near the Lake of Mentif. But it was dismantled not long after establishment, uh, around AD 86. Um, you know, even though Antonine Wall was actually only held for around 20 years against these sort of northern tribes, such as the Picts, which we'll, we'll talk about more later on. Um, well, actually, that kind of brings us to the end of this conversation about the Romans, I mm-hmm. guess, because the Picts, after the Roman retreat, following, um, you know, in the following Dark Ages, as they were called, eventually, you know, would come to form one of the three kingdoms of Scotland in this next era, eh, alongside the Scots and the Britons, um, and that had a pretty transformational impact in the region. Um, yeah. Um, no, I think I'm, I'm, I'm all right there. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about this more after. But yeah, the the violent relationships of these uh, kingdoms, you know, as we're going to talk about, can help us really understand how cultural conflict that defined the region evolved, including that um, around the clans, like the McDonald's, the Campbell's, the Cahoons, for example, uh, as well as noisy invaders such as the Vikings and later English kings, they would also impact how history unfolded in the region. And that's what we'll talk about next. Thank you. 